So this morning we are carrying on in our series through the church. Um, I hope you're kind of aware we've kind of camped here just this term. It's something that we want to be intentional about along with belong is to kind of relay some foundations of the church. It's something that we believe God is wanting to do among us, which is to rekindle our passion for his church, to draw each one of us into belong meaningfully, intentionally to the local church and to belong more deeply. That doesn't mean that Gateway takes every ounce of energy and effort and every, uh, every pound you have in that sense, but that we want to be more intentional moving forward about being the people of God, being faithful disciples, followers of Jesus, apprentices to him, encouraging one another to live lives shaped by God's kingdom and that's a healthy thing. It's a really healthy thing to, to desire as a local church. We, we feel like, in, I guess we said it's in God that we want to have a renewed perspective in this moment of, of learning to be church again. There's some things that we have wanted to, we've just recognized, as Al mentioned earlier, some things we want to have as new metrics of health, of health. That sense of leaders in the body being closer together. Every person knowing their part in the church. I guess what is the blueprint for the church is what we've been trying to unpack over these weeks. What is it that we've been called into? And actually, in a consumer age, it's very easy, isn't it, to get disillusioned with the product you bought, the thing you bought into. Not least of which because the phone you bought last year is already out of date and you kind of hear the new one, you go, oh, I'm disillusioned with the phone that does exactly the same thing. And we are trained by society to become disillusioned and want the new thing. Well, God is about a new thing. He's always at work. He's always, he's always bringing life. He's always making old things new and bringing life to things. But we want to lift our gaze as a church, as gateway. We want to lift our gaze to have a higher view of God's church, his family that he has won us into. So over these weeks, we've looked at these things that the church we are called to be ministers of reconciliation, bringing reconciliation to the world around us. We're a dwelling place of God, that we carry his power and presence, that we're a holy people set apart and called to be holy, not living with the value system of the world, but the value system of the kingdom of God, that we're co-heirs of God's kingdom, that we've been adopted into his family and given his authority. That we're a people who are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. That we're in this flow of God's story. We haven't just arrived here. We didn't just think, wouldn't it be good if we met together in a large group in Swindon every week? But this is God's design for the church. And then over the last two weeks, Callum and Nigel have just done a fantastic job of saying, actually, we want to be in intentional as the community of God of demonstrating the value system of God's kingdom that is in stark contrast to that of the world. And so a couple of weeks back, Callum reminded us of, of the call on the church to remember the poor. That actually, we don't just want to serve the poor because we're feeling bad, but actually there's a, there's a, there's a gospel expectation, there's a kingdom expectation to remember the poor. That we want to pursue unity, as Nigel was talking about last week. That unity is in the heartbeat of the gospel and of God. One of the things that we are really keen and eager to 
engage with is the whole area of reconciliation that we are called to pursue reconciliation. And we're just praying for nations that are literally waging war on one another right now. And I was just thinking as I was stood remembering, I'm thinking, what, how on earth does reconciliation happen in warring nations and warring neighbours where families have lost members of the whole household, where whole families have been wiped out? The gospel doesn't just call us simply to receive Jesus, but it calls us then to forgive our enemies and to love our enemies and to pursue reconciliation as God did with us through Christ Jesus. And for many, we recognize the diversity in this room, that there is multi-ethnic people groups represented in this room, which is an amazing blessing of God, but we don't just want to be um, a room with diversity in it. We want to pursue racial reconciliation, reconciliation between people groups, to seek God for healing and forgiveness and going further and that actually we're integrated together as a family where we genuinely and deeply love one another. A few weeks back, we had the privilege of some of us, of, um, as a friend who, off the back of uh, George Floyd's murder a few years back, he, along with a few others, um, formed a, a small network called the Reconciled Church, helping the church not just to go along with the idea of culture in that moment, but say, actually, what does the gospel call us to in this area of reconciliation? And it was, it was uh, uh, the guy who was leading it, a guy called Owen Hilton, just did a fantastic job of, of I mean, it was, outsta- it was outstand- outstanding, his preach on racial reconciliation in the church and unity in the church. And so we've actually invited him to come. He's hopefully come at some point in the new year to preach into that because we need to learn. We need to dig deep into that. We need to say, God, help us take ground in this. That we don't just say this, but actually we are learning with humility and grace and honesty and vulnerability. What does God call us to as a multi-ethnic people? And so we've invited Owen to come and um, preach. That would be now, but just, you know, diaries and it's harder to make it happen like that. So we look forward to that at some point in the new year. And when that happens, just slot it in here, if you like, at this point in our thinking. So we've been called to demonstrate and live the values of the kingdom. But then we're also a church that is about going out and mobilizing ourselves. That we, are, we want to be intentional about multiplying and reproducing. We want to be a mobilized church that each one of us is given a part to play, empowered by the Spirit. Yes, in our church family, but also in the place that God has placed you. We want to be a church that matures that is empowered by God's Spirit, intentional by that, that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, that that God has given gifts to the church to build up and equip the church for works of service, and that we want to be a church that is faithful to Scripture, faithful to God's Word, faithful to the Gospel. We want to be a church that is that is intentional about that, because if we're not, we will just go with the flow of culture and whatever's easiest. And so, like, the purpose of this is to lift our eyes and say, wow, Jesus, your church is a unique family on the face of the earth. It looks different from every other people group, every other type of organization or faith. It's a people who are seeking the kingdom of God together, committed to one another. You see, here's the thing. Jesus loved his church. He loves his church. Jesus loves his church. And we are actually called the bride 
of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. And in Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul, he writes this, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That we are to submit to one another. And then he goes on to say, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. And wives, you are allowed to elbow your husband um, in the ribs. Love your wife, husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church. Jesus loves his church. We don't have an option as followers of Jesus but to love his church and to do what he did. And Paul goes on to say, he's talking about marriage with husband and wife, as you know, in Ephesians 5. And he says, this is a profound mystery, the picture of marriage. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. Jesus has a passion for you and I. He has a passion for his global church. He really does, and we are to carry a passion for it. We're not just meant to be people who turn up, who take something, and then go and get on. We are meant to carry a deep zeal for the people of God. And so today, we're going to just spend some time looking at being a multiplying and reproducing church, that we are called as God's people to go to unreached people groups. I just want to remind you, and I don't mean this rudely, but please hear me on this. There are people groups, ethnic people groups, across the nations of the world and here in the UK who have not yet even heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is a mission that is waiting to be fulfilled. And it's only going to happen when the church mobilizes itself, reproduces itself, and is intentional about saying, who will go? I'll go, send me. There are people groups waiting for the gospel. Literally waiting. It's the thing that the world is waiting for is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that God loves you and I, sinners far from him, and desires to reconcile us back into relationship with him. There are people groups right across this world who have not yet heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we're called to go to the ends of the earth, as we'll see in a moment, through the Great Commission. That looks like, as even local church, not just the church in general, not just the global church, but as local churches, we must have a desire to multiply, to reproduce, to raise up and go. We really must. It's not, again, it's not just a nice thing to do. It's not a thing that some churches should be into. It's it's what the church is designed for, that we are a mobilized people. Um, I think Nigel preached, uh, met, read this scripture from Eugene Peterson right at the beginning of this series, but he said this from the message in Ephesians 1, the church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. So, engagement time. Turn to your neighbor and you have to tell them what the first commandment is that God gave people in the Bible, that God gave to Adam and Eve. What's the first commandment?
right, enough time, enough time. Anybody want to hazard a guess? Um, I'm just going to pick on somebody. Ed, I pick on you. Say it again, Ed. Fantastic. Um, if we had chocolate, Ed, we'd give you chocolate, but we don't. Um, that's right. The first command in the Bible is simply this, be fruitful and multiply. Genesis 1.27, so God created man in... Right, you know I said talk to you, talk. I, that, I now mean stop. It should, I shouldn't have to spell it out, okay? Um, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. And through the story of scripture, it's kind of like a drumbeat. So we're saying a drumbeat for us at the moment is belong, belong, belong. But one of the drumbeats of the story of the Bible is this, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Simply this, listen, people of God, go and make sure that by this time next year, there are more of you worshiping God, following Jesus, learning to live life with him than there are currently. Make sure that there are more of you than there are right now. In fact, the the mission of multiplication is at the heart of the Abrahamic commission. And so here's what God said and declared at the birthing of his people. God said to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. Genesis 12, 1 to 3. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. In fact, all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The purpose in God's commission and promise and blessing on Abraham there is that this is not something that you just monopolize and keep to yourself. It's going to spread out. And it's not just going to be for the nation of Israel that God was birthing in that moment, but for the Gentiles those who aren't Jewish by birth. God's promise was a promise of multiplication. And then Jesus, the last command that he gave his disciples in Matthew's gospel is basically the same thing. Go out and multiply. It's one of those easy things. Genesis 1, verse 28, be fruitful and multiply. Matthew 28, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always until the very end of the age. The church, you and I should have an innate desire 
a God-shaped, a God-fueled desire to multiply, to spread out, and increase in number. That should just be part and parcel of what it means to be the local church. It's something we should talk about. It should be something that we hold up as a, are we doing this? Are we just happy here on our own, you know, just coming and going every now and again? Or actually, we get hold of this commission of God, this storyline in the Bible and saying, this should shape us. This should shape our thinking, what we do with our money. Who are we raising? Who are we sending? What does it look like? You see, God himself, even before Genesis 1, 28, God himself existed in a missional community as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But God was deliberate about being on mission to win a wider people group to himself. And the Bible concludes with this picture in Revelation of what it looks like. What's the end goal? What's it going to look like? And I know you know this, but it's going to look like a multi-ethnic multitude. A multi-ethnic multitude. Every people group gathered around the throne, rich and poor, young and old, worshipping, glorifying, exalting, honouring Jesus Christ together as one people. Without discord, without mistrust, without that thing that we all have, our shame and nakedness where we put on false fronts in front of each other. We're going to be worshipping Jesus together. So multiplication is at the center of God's plan. It's what he is expecting of his church. But listen to this. It doesn't simply mean multiplying and reproducing doesn't simply mean that things will keep getting larger and larger and larger. So sometimes churches can be incredibly healthy. I used to, uh, let me back up a moment. I think I used to think that a sign of health in the local church was that it continued to grow. That there were more people in Gateway next year than this, at this point next year than now. I used to think that that was a sign of health. And it may be. It might be that God's doing something really exciting. But not necessarily. Multiplication is not simply about something continuing to get larger and larger indefinitely. Healthy organisms grow. Churches continue to grow and multiply. But it's not always true that it's always healthy. And so in nature, you expect to see a mouse that's kind of this size. Yeah? Sort of that kind of size for a mouse. If a mouse continued to grow to the size of the elephant, you would think something is seriously wrong with that mouse. I mean, it's, it's kind of obvious, isn't it? Mice are small, elephants are large. We don't expect mice to continue to grow. That would be abnormal, freakish. So for us to be a healthy church, it looks like we should have a desire to multiply. Yes, let's believe God for people to encounter him through his good, the good news of the gospel and to come and worship with us and grow as a follower of Jesus. But it must look like we have a desire to multiply, to spread out, to go, to send. That we multiply with health. I'm just aware of time, so I'm just going to 
skip forward. So how do we do this? What does it look like for us as a church? How do we be intentional about multiplying, equipping us to think like this, each one of us having a part to play? Well, I just want to tell you about John Kelvin, who was a 16th century French French pastor and theologian who ended up being based in Geneva, Switzerland. And John Calvin is known for writing, 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 for writing um, probably the most influential systematic theology in the history of the church. That's one thing he's known for. But one thing that John Calvin also did was that he was an incredibly effective multiplier of leaders in the church. He was good at replicating disciples, at finding people, apprenticing them to Jesus and sending them out on mission. And so around the year 1550, the population of Geneva doubled as refugees, many of them from France, poured into Geneva. Now, hear this. They sat under Calvin's teaching five times a week on average. Wow, that's intentional. And as they listened to John Calvin preaching the gospel, God's plan, their hearts were stirred for their homeland. Many of those people wanted to return to their homes and preach the gospel to their brothers and sisters. But Calvin wanted to train them first. And so by 1555, uh, sorry, one moment. By 1555, Five churches have been planted in France from people who were trained in Geneva under Calvin and sent out. Four years later, they had planted more than 100 churches in France. And by 1562, Calvin's Geneva training, teaching, mission-fueling center had planted as many as, I've put 1,562, but it's actually... 2,562 churches in France that had more than 3 million members. John Calvin, not only was he Mr. Theology, but he was also a trainer and equipper of church planters extraordinaire. And he was involved in every part of the process. He trained, he assessed, he sent, he counseled, he, he corresponded through letters with these church planters over the following years, and he prayed for them. So some of these churches that were planted, I'm sure some of them probably failed, as many church plants do. But many of them were incredibly fruitful, impacting the city. And so in different parts of France, um, in in Montpellier, there was a church that had five to 6,000 members. We're told about in one of the letters in... Toulouse, there was a church of eight to 9,000 people gathering to worship Jesus. This was a mighty move of God in their generation. But even beyond France, these Geneva Calvin-trained missionaries went out to many nations of the world, including Italy, Hungary, Poland, Germany, the Netherlands, England, Scotland, and even as far as Brazil. You see, 
Calvin and his co-laborers, they gave an intentional multiplication, missionary fueling perspective to the work that they were doing. It was sat as a high priority for these guys. You could, it's easy to think Calvin just had theology and combating the Catholic Church as a high priority. No, he had a, 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 a multiplication zeal to see churches planted and established. What an incredibly gifted guy. And sometimes we can hear stories like this and we, about heroes of the faith and we think, I am just useless. I can barely even get out of bed in the morning. What a huge gift I could never compare. Or we can think something like this. So what? 470 years ago, what's that got to do with me today? I don't, I don't live in Geneva. I'm not a theologian. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a church planter. I wasn't alive in the 16th century. But whatever we think when we hear stories like that, the purpose of them is that they're meant to fuel something in us of expectation. We can't just ignore them and kind of go, well, he was just a superman and there's just normal little old me. Because whether you respond kind of saying, I can never measure up to that, or you kind of go, what's that got to do with me? Well, both overlook the grace of God in our life. And in Ephesians 4, 7, it says this, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. To each one of us, we're going to have a different measure of God's grace. Put simply, some of us will be better at some things than others. In, in service to God, in serving the church, in using gifts, there will be things that some people in this room do naturally, fueled by God, enabled by God, gifted by God, that others wouldn't dream of, would be petrified. God gives gifts, and God gives grace as he's apportioned it. But when we hear stories like this, we should think, what was it about Calvin that helped him to be so fruitful as he carried this high priority of mobilizing the church? Are there, are there things that I could learn? Are there things that we could learn as a community that help us as apprentices of Jesus, that help us to carry multiplication? You see, the fact is, regardless of what um, portion of God's grace you have in your life, we are all commissioned with the same task to go out and make disciples of all nations. And some of us, that means we're going to cross nations. Some of you in this room have crossed nations intentionally because God has led you to this nation. Others of you have moved because you said, I wanted to go and be with family because I want to seek work. But behind that is God's hand on your life, moving and orchestrating. For some, it means you'll never leave the town, and I'm sorry to say, maybe not even the street that you grew up in. For some, you'll be here as part of Gateway for six months, and others, you'll be here for 60 years. Joel. <laughs> <laughs> Only 40 more to go. Some of, the, some of you in this room are going to plant churches, and others are going to pick up the shopping for your neighbor. Not better. Not worse, just all work of the kingdom of God. All of it is needed. So here's the thing. I think that most of us know that we are called to make disciples of all nations. I think we know that. I think it's part and parcel of Jesus. This really is good news. I want to go and tell people. I want people to know you like I've known you. But I think we often get stuck. And so this is what we can learn 
from Kelvin, and I'm going to speed through this. I'm sorry about time. But here's the thing. He recruited people to a task and a mission. Hey, we're about something. The kingdom of God is to be advanced. There's unreached people groups, churches to be planted, nations to be reached, gifting to be unlocked and untapped among God's people. But he didn't just say, right, great, you guys are really eager, now go. He then trained them and gave them a theological foundation and trained them in cultural context of what they were to be doing. So he trained them practically and theologically how to live like Jesus into the context that they were going to. He then sent them, and in this instance, into the task of church planting. It could have been anything he sent them into. He could have sent them like Sam, starting way to go and serve 15 to 25-year-olds who are, who are just stuck in life at the moment, struggling in life. He could have sent them like Dawn to go and serve people who are living homeless in our town. He could have, served, he could have sent them just like Rua. By the way, we've got a family meal coming up on December the 17th who has the most amazing gift of catering and hospitality and produces the most amazing food. God sends people in all kinds of ways. What he didn't do was gather them, train them, and then do what we and the church in the West is very good at doing, is saying, great, you've been gathered. And great that you've been trained to a level. Thank you very much. Now just sit in a pew. And just come on Sunday. And maybe God might do something we don't know. He might do. He didn't do that. He didn't just leave them with a diploma in theology, a few skills, and nothing to do. And when he sent them, he monitored their progress. How are you doing? I'm sorry, that's a challenge going on for you. Let me tell you what I would do in that situation. And there's thousands of letters of John Calvin corresponding with the church planters that he sent. You see, he helped to catch them up into something. He gave them the training and the skills to do it, and then he deployed them. It wasn't discipleship in a vacuum. And all of this is exactly what Jesus did, isn't it? Jesus multiplied disciples and trained disciples in exactly the same way Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He recruited people. He trained them. Hear these words of mine and put them into practice. Here's how you're going to pray. Here's how you're going to fast. Here's how you're going to give. Here's how you're going to do relationships and marriage and family and money and sex. Here's how you're going to cast out demons. Here's how you're going to love people. So he trained them. And then he deployed them, go into all the world and make mission, uh, make disciples of all nations. And then, to top it off, Jesus keeps in correspondence with those that he has sent. I hope you know that. By giving us his Holy Spirit. He's poured out his spirit on his people. Just as he was about to go up to the cross, he said to his disciples, I'm going. If I don't go, you won't get the Holy Spirit. And you're going to really need him. Because the Holy Spirit will give you everything you need and will lead you into truth and remind you of my words, remind you of truth, will tell you how to and, and empower you to live kingdom-shaped lives. He'll help you in a way that I can't, Jesus was saying. And so there's that ongoing fellowship with Jesus of mentoring and discussion and communion that we as his followers get to have with him through his Holy Spirit.
It's the same way that the Apostle Paul did it. We read about that in his epistle letters in the Bible. You see, we are called to be a multiplying people. That's the same task, the same mission, the same expectation that is on you and I as God's people. It isn't for some. It's not for some. It's for each one. And God has given gifts and talents and skills and is breathing his purposes and his promises that he set for you to do good works. Even before you knew him, God is calling you into mission. He's saying, you know that thing you love to do? I'm redeeming that for my kingdom. I'm redeeming it for my kingdom. I'm redeeming it that you would go and multiply. And so we, Gateway, are called to do just that. We want to be about something. That's why we're doing this series on the church. We're saying we believe in the church. We believe it's God's vehicle of his grace to the world to reach unreached people groups, people just like you and me at one time. God has a purpose for his church. It's worth giving our lives to. It's worth investing into. But we want to grow in training and equipping us. That's something that we want to strengthen in the days ahead. We want to get better at deploying, not just one or two, but deploying us as a body into thinking and living kingdom lives, serving and loving one another in this place as a family together, but also going out into Swindon and beyond and to the nations to love people, to pray, to, to see people set free from demonic oppression, to plant churches, to give money, to serve. See, for some, you're at that point where you're needing to understand that you've been recruited into a mission. For others, there's some training that's needed. For others, you're, you're, you're trained and equipped already and you're needing deploying. And for some, there's a work of building communication and trust and standing with one another that needs to happen in this next season. And in some ways, I am really excited because small fruits, but I feel like Belong is already tapping into that. Conversations I've had with people on my table and I know that have been happening across uh, us as a team with different ones that were part of it, just seeing things beginning to be unlocked. We really believe that God is going to be intentional with us in this. And here's the thing, the unique thing about the mission of multiplication that Jesus has given us, this great commission, is this, unlike every other mission in life that you go for, that's hard work, might fail, might succeed, this mission is guaranteed to succeed. This mission cannot fail. There will be more followers of Jesus. Every people groups on the face of the earth will hear the gospel at some point, and then the end will come. It is a mission that cannot fail. So can I invite us to stand as parents go and get the kids? I just want to simply pray for us that a desire for multiplication would be something that we live with, would be part of our cultural expectation of one another as a church, that we would excel in this in the days ahead, that we would be hungry to say, who are we sending? What are we doing? Where am I going? And it looks like normal life for most of us. That's the secret thing. It was amazing having Rachel Mann on our table who's been part of Gateway for 30 years. We're 31 years this old, so right from the beginning. And Rachel was just sharing from years of walking with Jesus and years of being part of this church, 
She, uh, Rachel, I hope you don't mind, but she said, one thing I know that I am called to is, love, is loving people on the margins. People who other people struggle with, that's where God's placed me. And to have that clarity of this is the gifts and the passion that God has called me, and that's where he sent me to be a kingdom ambassador for him, that's amazing. And then Emily Lloyd was saying, I know that I am called to worship and to lead God's people in worship and to train people in worship. To know that is amazing, but for each one of you, there is a grace of God upon you to live out kingdom life, to serve in this body, but to serve in the place that you are, to live and demonstrate the kingdom of heaven. So can I invite you to lift your hands? And for some of you, even right now, this morning, in this speedy preach, it's been like, I know actually, I do know this. And I want to respond by faith right now today that there is more in the days ahead that some of you, you've just got a passion to go and tell people this good news of Jesus. To go and tell people, to step out. To go to neighbors and friends and colleagues. And some of you going, yeah, I've, I've kind of just got quiet in this recently. I want to tell people the good news of the kingdom again. For others, there's promises of God and, and desires of the kingdom that you carry in your heart that in this last season, maybe along with low commitment to church, they've just kind of ebbed away. Well, right now, Holy Spirit, we pray for us as a church family. And we say, establish in us a culture and a longing for multiplication. Jesus, our desire is that more men and more women, young and old from many backgrounds, wouldn't just come because they're looking for a new church family, but they would encounter you, the author of life and the giver of life and the forgiver of sins and the one who gives us eternal life, the bread of life. We pray put a hunger in us to see salvation in this next season, O oh God. But Lord, we also pray right now that you would mobilize us in our thinking, not just in our thinking, but in our being and in our doing that, in our workplace, in our family, in our home, in our singleness, in our friendships, with our money, we would begin to learn to think multiplication. That we would set before ourselves personally and corporately uh, that kingdom challenge of go, 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 multiply, multiply, go to unreached people groups. And the joy for that church is in this town, there are many unreached people groups. You don't even have to cross nations because of the movement of people. Just, it's an amazing thing. And I pray, God, that where gifts are distributed across this body, where passion is distributed, Lord, where, um, Lord, where prophetic promises are distributed across this body, we say, now, Lord, breathe on us. Help us, gateway, to be a multiplying people. Lord, we pray not, to, not as a success measure, but Lord, we pray, may this room be too small for us in the days ahead. God, we pray, mobilize us. Lord, I pray people who, who would kind of say, for the last few years, I've just been sat in a seat, but in this next season, I'm, I'm getting out of my seat and I'm going, I'm being mobilized. Lord, we say, by your spirit, oh God, do it, do it. Help us to be courageous in these things. Help us to be intentional like Calvin, like Jesus, like the Apostle Paul. We say, help us in all these things, Lord, for your glory and for your kingdom come in your mighty name. Amen.